0: And welcome to episode 118 of Ready to Mosh. I'm Kev P, and alongside me is the carry to my Dave, it's Gem G.
1: Carry to my Dave, Oh, topical.
0: Mm, very topical. Not for today's episode, but topical as we record this. Yeah, I guess. So this week we've got Nactical from Devastator, and Devastator a band we've wanted to get on for a while. We've seen them three times now.
1: We have, yeah. We first came across them in 2022 before they played Mangata Festival and really liked them before that, after listening to them and then saw them live there. And then we saw them at Bloodstock and last year at Derby Fest.
0: Yeah. We talk about the band's history, what they've been up to over the last few years and their new album, Conjurers of Cruelty, which is out on the 1st of March. So this week we've got a very special guest. We have an from Devastator. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking me to come on.
0: No problem at all. We're big fans. Uh, we've seen you guys a few times. And the important kind of first question how did Devastator
2: begin? Uh, Devastator was um, a drunken side project. Um, this really very much the honest way to, to call it. We, the first. Three of us were in other bands um and doing other things and we've you know we've been friends for a while. So originally it was the guitarist, the guitarist R. and the drummer Jay Scarlet. They were doing this, they were they had this idea to do this sort of um almost American style thrash band. They wanted to do kind of a testament sort of thing. And I was asked to come in and play bass just for fun. And I went, yeah, cool and um, we had a we had a singer for a bit he didn't didn't stick around very long um and the rehearsals really rehearsals in inverted commas were us just playing um sodom songs and drinking an excessive amount for 2 hours uh, uh, a random evening in the week or on the weekend and it wasn't until our original band's folded that we decided well we've got the time now so we can take this a little bit more serious so we started writing very quickly um given the fact that my previous band had disbanded due to distance issues with all of the members i was i had a sudden burst of creativity so i was i was able to just start writing very quickly and then before you know it we we had everything that wound up on that first demo and we played our first gig, which interestingly enough, we played that as a three piece. But CW, who became the rhythm guitar player, he had joined the band already, literally the week of that show, but you know, there wasn't enough time to teach him everything. So we said, come to the show and you can see what you what you've agreed to do. Um, <laughs> and um, And he was fine with that. Yeah, and he was <laughs> he was happy with that. And then since then it's been the, the same four members. And I guess they say the rest is history. Yeah, that's 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 it. It's there's no there's no there's no mysterious story. It is a bunch of guys who just really like to drink beer and listen to Sodom and play Sodom covers relatively badly. Um, and and I, and I think as you can assume how things went on, we never became that Testament band because we weren't that good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So aside from Sodom then, who's kind of been your main influences on the band sound? It's
2: something quite well documented at this point. I mean, we're not very, you know, we're not shy at wearing our influences on our sleeve. It's very much the early Venom, early Bathory, Motorhead, of course. And uh, as we've said, the, the Teutonic stuff, The uh, Sodom we've gone over, but also cre- early Creator and Destruction as well. A lot of the the darker side of of thrash metal and that i guess that first wave of black metal is very much the, the key influences there are other things that creep in there as well that might not be as as obvious like van halen and a lot of the guitar work a lot of the lead work um but in terms of you know the core the core sound of it you can definitely sit there and put on one of our records and go like well wow, the the, the blatantly venom fans or um german thrash bands uh fans of german thrash bands sorry so yeah you know you could i would say that the the core sound comes from the german bands and the the first wave of black metal the the venom the baffery the Hellhammer, bulldozer etc
0: so you were talking about the um this creative blast that you Mm had how do you kind of go about writing the Devastator song? Do you have to kind of get the riffs down first? Do you have to, have you got in mind what you want to do with the lyrics?
2: Yeah. So from my perspective, because we all, we don't write as a conventional band does. We all write individually. And often enough, we will have a full song relatively finished, like at least the skeleton. And we'll then present it and, and do it in rehearsals, and then that's when it starts to change. Um, my, from my point, I tend to start with a riff because I write everything on. I write everything that I write on on guitar. I always start there, and then I get a riff that I like, which which will normally either be a verse riff or sort of a, a main reoccurring riff. And then I'll go from there and normally it's just it's just a puzzle of finding out what fits where and what pace it's gonna be at, how the drum how I imagine the drums would go. And before you know it, I get a full full-fledged demo done. And really the the vocals are the very, very, very last thing I consider. Um I more have an idea about how the vocals are going to be sang as I'm writing the riff, but no lyrical content or anything. In terms of lyrics, I I start with a title, and then I write around the title. Normally, the title is inspired by something, a subject, anyway that I can research, or something that comes straight out of my own head. So, yeah, like it's it never it mostly comes from it it just a riff, and then it starts to develop from there, and you kind of get a, a bit of a light bulb moment when things start to fall in place and things start to sort of connect in the way that they do, and you know. That's that's at least from my perspective. I'm I, I'm not sure how the cogs work for the other guys when they write on their own, um, but it all comes to the same way. When it comes into the rehearsal room, we go through it and we we say, well, you know, we could cut that bit a little bit or extend that part there, and. and That'd be cool. Maybe you change the key from A to E or whichever and and see how that works, make that a slower bit instead of a fast bit. And eventually we get to a point where everyone's like, Yeah, that's working. That's we're uh, we're feeling we're feeling that as opposed to now it's not working. Um, but a lot of it starts individually from, from home.
1: And you've got some really cool artwork in both your music and the merge. Is that something that's done within the band?
2: The artwork isn't. The artwork's often purchased in. It's, there's only very few artworks that have actually been requested by us to be made. A lot of it is um, us finding the art pre-made already and and then asking the artist if it's for sale. Um, there just tends to be a certain style that we've gravitated to, which is, I guess, this very scratchy sort of worn eighty sort of look which we've we've adopted um and knowing that these artists that we work with have similar but not the exact same style we know that when we see something we like we know it will pair up with with all the other things that we've done in terms of how it it winds up being presented um that is something that is in-house i i do a lot of the layouts and and the things for the albums, the the layouts were me. Um, and we've kind of, you know, it's it's been mentioned already. I spoke to, um, I spoke to Sweden Rock magazine the, uh, the the beginning of this month or the end of last month on this little press junket that we're doing, and they mentioned it as well. They said that there was a very there's a kind of consistency in the way things look at the moment, and we it, it, we're glad that it's being noticed because we're trying to get that sort of, you know you see something, you go, Oh, that looks like Devastator. It's not just when you listen to the music, you go, that sounds like Devastator. You, you know, kind of want to create the full package in a way. And, um, I feel like we've definitely, we're definitely onto something with the way that we present ourselves and, um, the way everything sort of meticulously looked at and, and fought through. Um, because I think that's important as well. Like you, a band can be fantastic musically and they could put out a great album but at the same time i'm personally i'm very much someone who when he goes and looks at records in the shop and everything and if it's something i've not heard of if it's got not necessarily good artwork or striking artwork or or something that kind of makes me click i probably wouldn't just buy it i would I would probably maybe consider it go listen to it later, and I'll be like, "Oh, that's that's such a shame because it's such great music, but the artwork's not that good." Um, you know, you, I feel like bands need to make more of an effort to kind of be a full package in a way, not just musically be musically fantastic, but also visually as well. So we, I think we try to we try to do our best with that. So so yeah, it's it's not something that's in house fully, but it's very much under our control. And we, it is a plan. It is a planned thing. So, we do, we do pick who we work with art wise quite meticulously. But the 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 core three or four artists that we work with are um, are great and they're fantastic. And we'll and we'll continue to work with them as well because it's just yeah think we think it's just a great winning combination with our music.
0: So the second time we watched you guys, it was on the New Blood stage uh, at Bloodstock. Mm. On the hottest day of the year <laughs>
2: yeah. in that tent, How was it for you? Um incredible. It's it's still, you know, it's still one of those things what we're with 2024 now, and that happened in 2022. So we you know, we're we're coming up to two years on, and it's we still can't believe it. And and the circumstances of how it came around as well. It's um, you know, it was a great performance. It was one of our favorites. Um the heat wasn't too much of an issue as we were playing <laughs> like we 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 honestly thought it was going to be but you know once the adrenaline kicks in and and everything else and you you sweat off the majority of the blood and the black makeup and the corpse paint and everything off, um you you kind of forget how hot it is up there even though you look like you're working <laughs> and the you know we we felt the audience was working just as hard as we were um but it was a great performance. It was fantastic. I mean, the moment we came off the stage is when we saw how hot it was. And and we were kind of just trying not to fall over, but also in absolute uh, just happiness, I guess, um, over the reaction we received and how many people were there watching us, especially considering the fact that we were clashing with violence, which, as far as I understand, was their first UK show in 20 years. So... You know, the fact that we still had a very strong audience, a full tent, was was incredible. It's a moment we'll never forget and and we really we really do want to go back to Bloodstock and play again, but we think we want to move up to the next stage of the Sophie Lancaster tent and and give that a thrashing. Um if if the opportunity comes forward, we'll definitely go back. Um we're hoping, you know, for open air open air opportunities to come through either maybe some last-minute ones this year or but most certainly next year.
1: Did you find that playing Bloodstock opened other doors for you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it was very funny how that came around anyway. we'd we As a band, we had um, been very much like, we don't need management or booking agents. You know, we're very arrogant. We're like, well, we're doing good. And then an opportunity came to work with um av from abduction is uh, the the man behind that project uh, he took up some managerial roles and booking agent roles very briefly and we were his first pick so we went okay well we trust we trust him and and you know he's he has a wealth of knowledge anyway so we went okay cool let's do it then that's that's fine we'll bite our tongues and and we'll go through it and the first thing he got for us was bloodstock
0: as, that's as a, a hell. It's a hell of a first pick.
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then his second booking he got for us was with Exciter at the Underworld, and we were like, right, <laughs> we think we've done all right there. Yeah. So immediately from doing the Bloodstock thing and the Exciter thing as well, um, we it opened many many doors and exposed us to a wider audience, and and ultimately there are other people in that audience as well that. um Ran their own things, and uh, opportunity started to come forward. So, yeah, absolutely. Those the, the Bloodstock performance gave us great opportunities, and the XI uh, performance gave us even more. I mean, we had we had members of there was members of Carcass in the room. There was uh, our good friend now um, the Demolition Man Tony Dolan from Venom. Uh, he was present. There was mem- ex members of Destroyer Six 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 there. Um, it was a who's who <laughs> of people in that room. It was quite. It was quite the day. Um, so yeah, like we think we we're very thankful for everything that the, everyone who's worked with us has done. And and Av from Abduction is one of them. Absolutely, I don't think we'd be where we are today without um, his guidance that he gave us during the the brief time we were working together in that sort of professional capacity. Um, so we're very thankful for it. So yeah, absolutely.
1: And you re-released your debut album, Baptized in Blasphemy, last year. What was the reason for doing that?
2: So the the idea came from Listenable, who we signed the deal with um, at the uh, in I guess it would have been early last year. We um, they came to us with with after the discussions for the offer had come through and everything and said that they didn't just want the new album, they wanted the first album as well and they wanted to reissue it. And we thought, well, this is a fantastic opportunity to get the record back out there again in circulation because with its limited release through our previous label, Clobber, only 100 vinyl was pressed and it was only available on on the limited CD run and the tapes sold out before the album even came out. So, you know, there have been a lot of people asking for vinyl copies of our first record, and we thought this was a great opportunity to get it into circulation. At the time, we were doing pre-production meetings with the man who became our producer on the new, rap, the new album, um, and he got wind that we were doing the reissue, and he, he practically begged us please let me remaster it please let me remix it and we said okay let's see what we can do so we contacted the original producer we said look this is what we want to do can you please give us the master files and he said yeah sure cool so he sent all the master files over and the the remix and remaster was done in a week we were sat with we were sat with ben in the studio i think we sat with him twice and just said in hindsight, because we had a lot of time to think about what we could have improved with the original sound. And um, we were able to just list off a few things and he had some ideas as well. And he had that he had that remix and remaster done in a week. It was very, very quick. Um and we listened to it in the room and we went, now that's in our minds how it should have sounded. Because when we did the original album, it was just before COVID. So we we were never present for the mixing and the mastering of the original release because we couldn't be. And what we received was, I think, the second mix and master time around. And, and then that was it. It was done. And and, and we were also out of budget as well. Like, so we, had to, we were stuck with what we had. And, and at the time, we were very proud of it. But, you know, in hindsight, you can sit there and go, well, I would have done this a little bit differently. And this was finally our opportunity to do that. So um, we think it turned out really well as well. Um, and we're really happy that it's out in circulation people that were asking for the vinyl copy of it and the tape copy with, 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 were able to get that. And obviously we, we put the, um, the bonus stuff on there as well, which was also Listenable's idea. Uh, we had that set recorded from that very, very raw recorded set from Bloodstock that we decided, well, okay, we were gonna do something with this at some point. We just didn't know what. And then we thought, well, we'll put it out on this. And and we uh, yeah, yeah, we just I think we we created quite the definitive package for that album to kind of um close the book on that era in a way. Like it's you know, it's that era is done now and and here is the final thing we'll do for it minus these long sleeves that are taking forever to come out but like you know i I spoke i spoke to the people who are making them now they're like yeah yeah, they should be done very soon so i'm like okay right well that'll be the bookend time (laughs) um yeah it's it 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 really was to just sort of close a chapter to close that chapter and and take us nicely into what would become conjurers of cruelty
0: So we're gonna move on to the quick fire round now. Mm-hmm. So we've got a few questions. Just go with whatever comes into mind. Okay. <laughs> so first question. What would be your bucket list venue to play in?
2: uh uh the original Hammersmith Odin. Oh straight away. You you knew straight away what the absolute yeah.
0: ideal venue.
2: Yeah, if you know, if like if I could bring a venue back from the dead. It would be the original Hammersmith Odeon, you know, the even though the album isn't recorded there, you know, No Hammer Hammersmith is is my my pick for the, the greatest live album of all time. Um and it's an iconic venue. It wasn't just Motorhead's iconic venue, it was Venom's as well. Um, you know, Seven Dates of Hell, nineteen eighty four and nineteen eighty five um filming. Uh, live show so yeah it would it would be that one um obviously if we're going to go with one that's happening right now um Wacken Festival
0: great choice yeah mm.
2: absolutely great choice big stage Wacken Festival
1: <laughs> what's your favorite pie
2: pie uh oh shit uh a steak pie <laughs> do you have a hidden talent <laughs> no <laughs> <It> is- <laughs> Uh, no, no, I wouldn't say I've got any hidden talents. I can talk. I can talk a lot when someone asks me questions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are your favourite crisps? Oh, fuck <laughs>
2: um Doritos, probably multiple flavours. Which flavour? Oh, give me all of them. Uh, it depends how I feel on the day. <laughs>
0: what was the last band you watched live?
2: Uh, Sarg. because I just played with them. <laughs> 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 they were the last band, they were the last band that played in Manchester, so it was the last band I saw. They headline.
1: <laughs> What's your favorite smell? Mm.
2: You know that summer rain smell? You know, either where it's just before it's about to rain or it's just after in the summer. There's that smell. It's just there's something very crisp about that.
0: <laughs> what was the first album you owned?
2: It was a motorhead tribute album it was, I think, not a tribute album a compilation it was the it, it was a red it was a red snaggletooth and it just said the best of my red I don't think it was an official one but um, yeah that was the first one that I bought with my own money
1: and final quickfire one then is where has been the best crowd you've played to
2: hmm hmm it's hard to pinpoint one I mean obviously I think I would probably I think I should say Bloodstock um even though that might be the the obvious one, but I Glasgow still comes into my head because for whatever reason the we've played every day, every time we played Glasgow, they have been fantastic, particularly the the crowd at the Flying Duck with Hellripper. That also turned out to be Hellripper's launch show for Warlocks Grimm. And that that audience was relentless. And we were marred with technical issues during that gig, but they did not give one solitary shit. They loved it, <laughs> and they, they were jumping off everything they could climb up on. So you know I would say I would say a Glasgow crowd or the bloodstock crowd, the kind of neck and neck, I think we, like in terms of size and, and you know grand kind of vibes, the bloodstock crowd, but in terms of sheer violence and chaos, <laughs> um, the, the Glasgow crowd.
0: Talking about the new album, then "Conjurers of Cruelty" is out on the first. Yes. How long has it really been, kind of, like in the making?
2: Pretty much from the moment "Baptized in Blasphemy" was out.
0: Wow, so straight, absolutely straight into it.
2: Yeah, given the like, given the nature that "Baptized" came out in COVID, we weren't able to do a lot with it. We really couldn't. We couldn't do anything. Um, it was an unfortunate circumstance where we weren't able to go out and play shows. We weren't able to do um, any performances for at least a year, I think um, after it came out. And even though we didn't rush to record the the follow-up album, we very much um, started writing from the get-go. I mean, some of these songs that are on the album, like the last song, for example, that's quite the last song. Um, the closer is 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 a, is a very old song. We played that live back in 2018, and it wound up getting shelved because we didn't think it was ready. Um, the the title track is very old. I think the title track is from 2020. Um, there's you know there's a lot of songs on that album that have been that have been started their early days. Sorry, um, in 2020 or near enough just after the first album came out back in July of that year so yeah it's it's been a long time coming and it's something we've been talking about at every show and and it got to a point where it was almost like a meme that uh yeah devastator are going to play a new song and they'll say that the album's coming and it will be another year and they'll come back again and they'll say the album's coming and and it did and it, it gives me great pleasure to say that on stage now, and I'll be like, it's actually happening. It's here. It's 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 out. So yeah, it's been a it's been a long time creatively. Um, we're extremely sort of relieved and and happy that it's finally come together and it's it's finally becoming this actual thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's 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 been a while, but it's it's worth it. <laughs>
1: And you debuted the album in the show in Manchester last Saturday. How did that yeah. go down?
2: Excellent. Absolutely superb. Um, the reaction that we got to music that largely hadn't, had not been heard, you know, the, at the point of the Manchester show, there were two tracks out, the, the Ritual Abuse and uh, Like Witchery. And the reactions to the songs that people have not heard were extremely positive. Um, we, by some miracle of, of international postage, we had copies of the new album with us, which wasn't intended. Um, they just happened to turn up at the right time. So we we thought, well, we might as well take a few and see if they go and they go and they went, they they were gone. Um, so, you know, we have to, have to put another order in now for, uh, for the label when the, when the, when the touring rolls up which is very soon so we uh yeah we the reaction was fantastic we do we obviously like every other band on that bill we were all playing new material that was some of them that was unheard like abduction played their new album which doesn't even have a, a title out yet let alone a <laughs> release or anything like they just went and played a whole set of songs that no one knew don't know any songs song titles for didn't know anything um and, the reaction was fantastic you couldn't have asked for a better a better show really um and we really think as well that that's created even more hype for this new album um a- amongst people that maybe didn't know us uh who definitely do know us now <laughs> and um <laughs> are, are all joining in with this sort of exciting atmosphere and this very much ready you know everything's ready to blow off and and um it's it's very close it's very close it was a great show
0: and the album itself has received a lot of positive reviews so far mm-hmm. um across a lot of outlets and has this kind of exceeded your expectation or did you have that kind of confidence that that, would, that was always going to be on the cards
2: yeah i mean you have some you have some level of confidence like you you know you believe in what you've done otherwise it wouldn't come out you know you, i think it has to be remembered that um any artist worth his salt is is doing it for himself like they're writing these songs for themselves and if anyone else likes it it's a bonus and you know that's something that that's something that Lemmy said and it's it still rings very true of me because we wouldn't put it out if we weren't confident it was going to be good and we didn't think it was the best that it could possibly be at the time so in a way it, it it was expected that okay, well, this this hopefully is going to do well, and then obviously when the press started going, you're like, "It's great, it's fantastic!" Um, that was even better. I mean, this it's gotten so much positive press attention from areas that I didn't even know was getting that it was getting heard at, like um, Sweden Rock, and and as I understand, uh, Metal Hammer has it as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to reading that review in the next issue. Uh, you know that's <laughs> that's a little that's a little sort of bucket list moment for me as a as a teenager i would buy metal hammer and i would i would staunchly stay away from Kerrang 'cause cuz the poser magazine and we only buy metal hammer you know uh, silly things that <laughs> teenagers do um but uh yeah I'm, I'm i'm excited for that one it it's been very it's been very humbling because it's it, it makes us feel like okay we're definitely onto something and we and, and the The time and the effort that we put into this creativity and we've bared ourselves quite a bit on this material um trying things that we think okay well you know this could either go really well or or people will be like oh well you know i liked the black and roll thing they did on the first album and the punk thing they did on the first album and it's we're glad that this um slight deviation from the original sound has has been accepted so positively not just in the not just from people who are used to us but also from the press as well so you know it's uh, it's great um was it expected i mean it's to some level we expected some press whether it be good or bad but um it's it's great to read and it's it's uh, makes us feel like we're doing something cool and um Maybe, maybe I'm not prepared for a negative review, but we'll see. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time I've read I've read one where someone's gone out and get it. You know, you can't always please everyone. But um yeah, I'm I'm happy with the response. Um and I'm looking forward to taking it out on the road.
1: And we read that you filmed the kind of behind the scenes process while you were making the album. When and how will that be released?
2: It'll come out on um YouTube. So, you know, we're not gonna make, we're not gonna make anyone pay to see it. <laughs> um, but we 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 worked closely with um, a company that's run by a friend of ours called Adaptive Media, and it was an idea that uh, our lead guitarist had. He said, "You know, let's bring in this our friend Craig to do a lot of the filming." And you know, we've there's been a handful of little tiny clips that wound up on Instagram somewhere uh, that wound up inside the the reels and the TikTok things and stuff like that. Others listening to the final mix and all that. We've we've with 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 a sing we've already established music over the top of it, so you guys couldn't hear what it was at the time. Um it will come out that we still got a we've still actually got a bit to film. You know, we've still got the um the post album release interview sections and the talking bits and then any narration that has to go over the top. So there's still some stuff to do. In terms of when it'll be out to watch, um I don't know when that is because I don't really have much of a hand in it. It's it's between uh, our lead guitarist and Adaptive Media. But uh, as far as I understand, it's going to be this quite, you know, uh, over an hour long sort of documentary style thing where you go from the very beginning of the process in March 2023, when we first entered the Godham studio to do the Lyre and Wait and Death Forever singles. Which then wind up being re-recorded for the 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 CD version of the new album, and that takes you all the way up to the stuff we haven't done yet, like the the, the interviews and the talking and, and you know being being all asked the same questions and us giving <laughs> four different answers. Um, yeah, I, I can't really tell you when it's coming out yet. Yeah, maybe maybe when someone's listening to this podcast, it's already out and they're they're like, hey, it was good, it was worth the wait, um, but you know um it will it will come out there's going to be a lot of interesting things in there about how things came together and a lot of stupidity as well i know there's a lot of footage craig couldn't use because um just 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 some just some things that were done and said and it's just like we can't put that on the internet it's terrible (laughs) um but yeah you'll get to see you'll get to see even like the uh the, the recording the vocal recording there's a lot of that stuff as well i've seen that footage um, with the guests in and there's a there's a fantastic spot in there. This won't be spoiling much, but there's a fantastic spot in there where um A V from Abduction, who's on the new album, doing guest vocals on a song called Death Spell Declaration. Um he broke the studio.
0: He broke the studio. Uh,
2: there was the yeah, there was these in the booth, in the vocal booth, there's these um silences these kind of like silencing panels on the wall. And they were they would they were held housed in wood in like these boxes and then they were hung onto the wall and at at that point Devastator had already devastated four of these panels just by leaning on them so AV from abduction we've got two cameras on him at this point and we're watching him from the control room feeding these cameras and he's he's getting very into it and he's holding onto these panels and he's leaning into the microphone, screaming, and then before you know it, he goes to do it, and they just go and they fall down. He just stops and just grabs, and he's like, "Mark, he's just holding this panel." This it was a it was a fantastic moment. It was great, and then he he he, he signed off that part and said he did it for the gram. <laughs> 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 it was, yeah, it's good. We we terrorized Ben, our producer. We terrorized him, uh, but yeah, there's there's a little snippet of what you can expect to see. But um, yeah, it'll. It'll come out when it's ready, but I don't think it'll be too long. I mean, I I don't think you're going to be getting it next year or anything. I definitely think it'll come out at some point, maybe like the the spring or the uh, the early summer at most, but there's only a little bit left to film.
0: And you're also making your European debut this year. yeah. Uh, Starting with the Netherlands and then going to Germany. So is this kind of like the plan to expand the fan base? Um, You know, there's been a lot of attention from... uh, lot of different countries now
2: yeah I mean it was always the plan um the next frontier was was Europe and um that is that is the next step uh we yeah we go over to the Netherlands in April which should be our first time performing on on the continent um you know like I, I kind of feel like every band has these sort of bucket lists that they work up to you know they start they go I want to play a gig I want to play a local gig Okay, I played a local gig. I want to go play in the next town over. Okay, I'll play the next town over. Okay, I want to play in London. I want to play in the capital. Okay, okay, yeah, we played in London. Where haven't we played? Where's the furthest we could play? Oh, let's go play in Scotland. Let's go go play in Scotland. And we've done that cycle now. And we've we've continued to do it um, as much as we can because there's still areas in England that we, we haven't been to um you know we've not been very down south we haven't been down to brighton we haven't you know we haven't even been over to ireland on the doorstep so you know there's still other ground for us to get but we we've done the uk cycle in a way over the years and you know we're up to seven years of this band now you know we're closer look at it this way we're closer to 10 years than we are closer to two years so you know it with a second record you know getting a foot in the door in europe is was the plan and and we managed to get that on an incredible bill with midnight and gamma bomb and bewitcher uh and and a lot more um so you know we're really proud to be on that bill with these with these great bands midnight being old uh, gigging friends of ours now and friends as as a result of just those shoot short days in the uk and you know they're, they're those three guys who play uh, under the banner um are fantastic they're great so you know we're looking forward to that. Obviously we've got Mannheim as a German exclusive. Um, we're really really looking forward to that. With and again we we didn't know at the time we booked it, but we're playing with friends uh, in Slaughter Messiah, who we we played with in Nottingham. They were great. We we instantly kicked it off with them. So it's it's going to be fantastic. And then most recently we got asked, uh, "Do you want to come and play with Paradise Lost?" <laughs> we like, yeah. "Yeah, come on then." <laughs> So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll go back over to the Netherlands and do into the grave, um, opening up the main stage. That Paradise Lost are going to headline and and whiplash, and the night before has got Hell Ripper and Butcher and Slaughter to prevail. Like it's, it's you know it's a it's a pretty big bill that, and you know we're we're very happy to be doing it on our first year of going to Europe. You know we we've I've just been in discussions today about other European things happening. So there will be more European stuff this year. Um, So yeah, that's going to be, it's going to be a fun year and I'm really looking forward to trying these new things. I've personally never played over in Europe before, so, you know, that's, that's a bucket list thing for me, but, you know, the next big thing after we've done Europe, the European cyclists a couple of times is getting us over across the Atlantic um you know fingers crossed we get that opportunity
1: and final question then have you got any more plans to pay the uk this year
2: yes yeah i think um i think i can say when but i just can't say where um i think we are doing uk headline dates in may um i haven't got all the details yet so i don't you know i don't want to say more than i can but um there's uh yeah there's going to be a uk tour in may um i think following the german date we'll go straight into um the uk run and i think that's supposed to culminate at incineration festival which we've been announced for so um i think that's the idea if it turns out not to be and this is already out i'm sorry um but yeah uh, so yeah there are more there are more uk dates coming um obviously a lot of the big focus this year is in europe and trying to get us over there as much as possible, but we, you know, this is where we, <laughs> this is where we make our bread and butter. Really, is is at home. So, um, you know, yeah, there definitely will be more UK stuff coming up this year. But I know that there is a string of dates happening in May. Um, so look out for those. Uh, depending on when this comes out, you know.
1: <laughs> Nat, girl, it's been absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been great chatting with you. Good luck with the album. Hope it all goes well in Europe and hopefully we'll see you soon.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
1: So We hope you enjoyed listening to our chat with Nachtgul. As we've already mentioned, Devastator's new album, Condors of Cruelty, is out on the 1st of March. So make sure you go check that out when it's released and keep an eye out on their socials for when those UK dates are announced. And if you want to keep an eye on our socials, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and threads at ReadyToMoshCast and YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok at Ready to Mosh. And if you enjoyed what you're listening to, please give the five-star rating. A nice review on wherever you cast your pods would be very much welcomed. And we'll be back again soon with another episode.
0: Make